Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today's interview features Captain Paul Powis from J&P Fishing Charters. We discuss walleye fishing on the north shore of Lake Erie. Paul has fished the Canadian side of Lake Erie for 30 years and is a well-known expert in the area. Today's discussion centers on worming for walleyes and included my co-host Trevor Sumption from Fishhawk Electronics. So we wanted to, wanted to have you on uh, this time to talk about North Shore walleye fishing. fishing right on, on that's what I do. Yeah, tell us about kind of, you wanted to talk kind of late May uh, stage. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, typically what happens is those fish migrate out of the rivers and once they once they come out of the river and they're post-spawn, the big females come in and just relax and uh, they're accessible to us. They're close to shore in that western basin like Leamington, uh, Colchester, Kingsville, that area. Those fish seem to show up there first before they move on to the central basin, which is Erie where I, where I run July and August. So um, instead of just sitting home waiting for July to come... Uh, We've been targeting them earlier and earlier all along and uh, been whacking them pretty good. So I, I mostly do a worm bite. There's other charter captains that'll argue that, you know, why the heck would you go through all that uh, trouble of worming and small boards and the rest of it. I do it to shake it up because it's A, it's fun. B, it's something different. And C, I got clients that like dipsies and spoons and downriggers and all the rest of it. It gives them another way to catch fish that they can take those techniques and move to other lakes as well. So it just it's a no-brainer for me. And uh, you know, don't get me wrong. By the by, the end of June, I'm sick of worms and I want to pull pull different stuff. But uh, it's fun. It's interactive with the clients, and you know, they can see they see the the offshore boards being towed out there. And oh, there's a fish, and there's a fish, and I put tattle flags on everything, so it's more interactive for the clients too. So. Um, basically, it, it's old school uh, worm harnessing and nice slow speeds and, uh, you know, touch and bottom. And as the water warms up, those fish get more aggressive. They come up off the bottom and they'll chase the bait a little faster. But early, 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 like post spawn, uh, slow is slow is best. And uh, it's a nice subtle presentation and they always like worms. So uh, how is that? Has that fishery always been there, Paul? I mean, is is that is this something you guys have always done, or or uh, or something for? It's new? always been there, but it's just becoming more popular now, Trevor. Like your guys on your side do it all the time, and you know, there's so many fish in the lake now. Uh, you don't need a whole lot of equipment. A guy can take a 14 foot tinny and two sets of boards, and him and his kid can go up and fish four rods. And it's you know, you don't need the riggers. You don't need you know, the big mass system, you don't need all that other. So right. it's, it's, it's more accessible for everybody. So right. I guess the, the answer to that would be, it's always been there, but now it's perfected in the words out. So, you know, it, it, at 20 bucks a pound for walleyes to buy over here to me, again, it's a no brainer, right? It's, cheap. it's a cheap date. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, uh, basically inline boards, bottom bouncers, and uh, a couple little things that, that uh, I do different than some of the others. And the biggest thing I notice when there's a hatch on, all the body bait guys get slammed because those bu they eat bugs all night. And the closest thing to a bug is a worm. 
and you'll still get your fish, but you got to work for them. And last few years, we get two or three really hard hatches and that morning bites like every fish is full of bugs. So the worms seem to uh, seem to be a better combo for sure. it, right? So I tie my harnesses a little gotcha. shorter than everybody else because I fish without boards and I used to get crazy with, you know, four foot leads and the, and the bottom bouncer smashing on the cowling on my boat. So I just kept shortening them and shortening them and shortening them and I just measured one and minor all around 24 inches once they're tied. Uh, the other thing I do is I go to a bigger hook. I use a one-aught octopus style uh, uh, VMC and I use the 1X strong ones if I can find them and uh, they seem to hold up that much better. Nothing worse than catching all you know good eater walleyes and all of a sudden you get about a 10 or 15 pound channel cat that just busts everything up and beads are everywhere. Bust your rig up. I beefed, I beefed up my rigs quite a bit. Like I try them on 20 pound fluorocarbon with the octopus hooks and then, you know, um, better uh, swivels and then a five, five, number five Colorado blade and all the same crazy colors that we use on Erie that in the spoons seem to work very well in the blades as well. A lot of copper backs and last couple of years we started switching to a lot of the uh, antifreeze stuff, pink antifreeze, green antifreeze, that kind of stuff. And uh, they work really well as, as well too for guys tying their own. Got some questions for me, or yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just throw some stuff out at you here, Paul. Sure. Um, tell me a little bit about the trolling speed you're going to use when you're fishing worms compared to fishing with, with something like a stick. Yeah. So great question. Typically, I start. I, I judge everything at one, and that's usually one at one at the bottom. And and uh, not to outshine Yablonski there, but I, I run my uh, my fish hawk even when I'm bottom bouncing. I'll put the rigger down just to get that. We've got so much current and the rest of it. And I, I use a, I have a kicker on my boat and I also use a drift sock so I don't get that surge for, like when it's chunky. We can fish the real rough stuff with it and we just go downhill with it. But maintaining your speed in that. So I, I try to go one, one, two. And as the water warms up, I'll get up to one, four. And then I'll switch out the bottom bouncers and I'll start putting some suspended stuff up. So I'll just re do a regular harness with a snap weight, usually a one and a half or a two ounce. And uh, I'll just adjust the amount of length of line out behind the boat. Because sometimes you'll find really good active fish right on the bottom. They'll come up off the bottom and they'll be your active fish. So I usually run one side high and one side low once the water warms up a little bit. But earlier on when that water's super cold, the slower the better. One, one, two is usually the... the, the uh, the speed of choice for me and what's kind of that move paul you know you go out there and set up at one one two things aren't happening would you first go to a, a higher speed or first go to a lower speed uh i try to start super low like around one and then i i get a little more aggressive on the throttle as things go like the advantage of going faster is you cover more water so my thought is if they only want to bite slow, you're stuck in that hole of only going slow. But if the fish are cooperating and they're on the chomp, then you can bump it up and then you can make your turns and get back on them and, and, and go that way. So I, I've had charters where it's really rough where I'll run six or seven miles into them for like like big water going over the roof and spin it and just do a down downhill troll almost all the way to the harbor and catch fish all the way. So. It's not like you got to pinpoint a spot, but I find with that surge, the drift drift sock comes in handy because you're coming off a wave and 
you're slamming. It's almost like you're chugging, right? So um, if I can get away faster, I will. But there, there's a saturation point for, for harnesses that if you're going too fast, the blade's not giving you that thump that you want, right? So um, never, ne never more than like one and a half to two. Like I know some guys troll two with harnesses, but I'm usually one to one six tops. What's your favorite blade? My favorite blade? The one that yeah. just caught five fish is my favorite. <laughs> I get out seminar. What's your favorite? The, the one you, the one you didn't step on. Yeah, I I use a lot of the streak blades. We got another painter over here who does a pretty good job. Uh, Yawai baits. He does some nice um, blades as well. Um, like I said earlier, the, the copper has always been the go-to for the last twenty years. But uh, I'm really leaning on those antifreezes. There's days where the the antifreeze, uh, like that bright chartreusey is good and that pink antifreeze is money too so um usually size five uh and then like i said the bigger hooks make a big difference for me for taking out and getting in and breakage and stuff that you're not constantly tying harnesses but between the streaks and the and the all eyes that seems to be my go-to for blades what what's kind of the transition for you paul you know what what happens out there when when what what tells you when you're moving from spinners to spoons, I mean, isn't that kind of your progression? Once the it is, goes but on, I, I actually do it by port, Trevor. So, like, I, I, I worm fit. I don't even have a spoon on the boat, other than you know, I do some of those uh, worm burners where where I, where I mess around and I'll put a harness behind a spoon, that sort of stuff. But typically, I don't have a spoon on the boat until I move to Erio in July. I put the big mast on, put the other rigger on, and different equipment for there, and I. All the worms and harnesses and and small boards get taken off. That goes bye bye. I to a big board program, but it's apples gotcha. and oranges. Like it's only thirty five miles by water, different place. But you know, I get 60, 70 feet of water, no problem, just offshore. And your hard sure. threat, like out towards Peely and there, like I've never seen over thirty five feet anywhere. So it's thirty. So and most of my fishing's done in fifteen to twenty and. I've been as shallow as eight feet and smacked fish and I've been all the way out in the, in the shipping channel and got fish as well. So um, my transition is, is usually by time frame, and that, that bite's still on when I usually leave the Leamington Colchester area, it's still on, but um, it, it starts in aerial and you know, it's just easier. You're not staying on the boat. And I rent a cottage there for the summer. And there's guys that, that fish that, that way, that style, um, out of Leamington, Colchester, Kingsville, all, all summer. Questions rolling in here from YouTube. Uh, David Stanisheski says, how's the Erie walleye hatch this year and uh, after future years? What do you see uh, later? Well, this is my 34th year, guy and guys, and we used to say uh, the good old days and talk about the early 80s and how we smashed them. Uh, the good old days are right now. The, the, the population on Erie is off the hook. Um, you know, you can be selective. You can, like, there's a lot of small you guys complain. I remember there were days when the only thing you could catch was a steelhead. And there were other days where if you got two walleyes on the charter, you were the guy. Now you're hard pressed not, not to tag out pretty much every trip. So the population is, is crazy and the fishery is, uh, as strong as possible and the future looks bright. So, um, so you've been, you've been doing this for 30 years, Paul. What was it yes. like as a charter captain at 10 years old? 
Say again. Yeah, right on. Thank you so much. You need hey, do you hey, Trevor, he needs glasses. Hook the guy yeah. up. We'll have, we'll have to, just turned sixty-three, boys. Been doing a long we'll have time. to work vision into the we'll have to work vision into the uh into yeah. the uh, insurance program. All right, That's we got it. a question here again from uh our guy Johnny Quest. He says, uh Paul, and this works into what you just said. How is the steelhead fishery out of Erio? Uh, good question. And what we found over the years is the, the steelies used to be able, like I get clients to say, I don't want walleyes, I want steelies. And the steely thing isn't as precise as it used to be. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. But to book a charter around just the steelies and say, when's the best time? It's almost impossible to nail that down. They'll show up, they'll stay there. Like we'll get incidentals. You'll catch your, you know, 36 walleyes and five or six bows some days other times you don't see a rainbow for two or three days and then two or three times a year for then the last two or three days where somebody finds some really cold water it's set up with lots of bait and set up with lots of steelies and depending on the client like i, I i'll try to talk the clients and i go guys i got a steely spot uh, no we want walleyes i'm like okay okay and sooner or later i'll get one as i run it by the cruise but uh it's it's sporadic compared to how it used to be it's still very good but to nail it down to a specific time and and area of the lake where where they're on it's it's tough to nail down so it's still good it's just a matter of finding them and i i almost think that there's so many walleyes around that the steelheads say let's get out of here we don't want to hang around with these things because you put you put a bait in and that's what you're going to get kind of one of those give what the lake is take what the lake is giving you right yeah that, and the, yeah exactly like everybody does it says you know when when the steelies are on they want to ca catch walleyes when you haven't caught a steely in two weeks your your afternoon client on on a, any given day goes hey we only want steelies i'm like okay we can try but you you know as well as anybody you're staring at lines for over an hour it's like so where are those walleyes it's like <laughs> let's go look so uh, David Staniszewski asks, this is a good question. I think it's something that's important to do what you're talking about is, is having good worms. He says, do you have any secrets uh, for high quality worms? I can, I can do a whole seminar on worms, but I'll sum it up quick. You want to keep your worms healthy. You want to keep them cold. I do what I, uh, what I do to keep mine nice is I, I make what, what people laugh. I make a worm lasagna and a worm lasagna is I always wash my worms. <laughs> So I take, I take the actual dirt, don't wash them in tap water, they'll die because there's chlorine and chemicals in city water. Use lake water. I take a whole handful of dirt and worms and throw it in some lake water in a, in a container. And then I take them all out, put them in another container. And after the third time, I got clean worms, no dirt. None on my fingers, none on my boat, not, nothing ground. And then I, I put, uh, I'll take a whole roll of paper towels, I'll dunk it in the lake. And then I put an ice pack on the bottom a layer of paper towels, a layer of worms, layer of paper towels, layer of worms, layer of paper towels, layer of worms, and another ice pack on top. And I usually have about 20, 15 to 20 per layer, and they just stay nice all the way through. But the, the amazing thing of that is through osmosis, those worms will actually absorb some of that water and they bump up. Like, you know, when you, hmm. you sneak a grape in the grocery store and you bite into one and it actually pops. You get that pop from your worms if you keep them nice and cold. Well, that's a half hour seminar on worms summed up. For worm, la worm lasagna. I get it now. Yeah. Worm lasagna. That is a good job. I, I'm I'm digging the whole paper towel, no dirt, no no mess thing. That's that's, well, pretty, that's, that's pretty clutch. 
there's nothing better than being out there all warmed up and you got crap all over your hands and a buddy mm-hmm. offers you the, the nicest sandwich you've ever seen and you turn it down because you don't want to you don't want to gross it out with worm shit right so that, that's never stopped you well yeah i haven't missed any meals have i there it is nice nice keeps, keeps the boat nice and clean we appreciate you coming on again with us fall every year it's fun to have you. always here. a pleasure guys if you want to find out more about Paul and what he's got going on, you can reach out to him on his website. It's jpfish.com. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.